Support for the Claim of Stories podcast and the following message comes from 99designs by Vistaprint. With a worldwide community of more than 150,000 talented freelance designers, 99designs by Vistaprint is the global creative platform that makes it easy for small businesses to work with creative experts and build their brand through custom, memorable design. Learn more at 99designs.com. We would have our, our painted shoes on the Air Force One dunks, whatever it is, with the matching airbrushed version on our T-shirt. Wait, y'all was doubling up. You had, the actual, you, you had the actual shoe on the shirt. Shoe. A picture of the shoe on the shirt with the name across the chest and our phone number in the back. <laughs> and so um, we would go to like clubs and concerts and people would actually start calling us for shoes. Um, and one day he, you know, that was around the same time throwbacks were in and, you know, people were in Astros and Padres and all that stuff. So he goes to the mall one day, the Beverly Center, which was like in L.A. That's like, the well, spot. back then it was like the cool mall. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like that's where you just go and hang out. And so he, he has a little Padres throwback jersey, um, jeans, whatever. And I had painted him some custom Padres Air Force mm-hmm. Ones, had the logo and everything. And... He's walking through the mall and he sees Usher and he looks at Usher and Usher just looks down at his shoes (laughs) and he's like, yo. And they start talking, whatever. And my brother says, by the end of the conversation, Usher's down on one knee with my brother's foot in his hand. Like, what the fuck are these? (laughs) This is Claim of Stories, a show about leading and emerging BIPOC creatives and how they were able to claim their dream careers. Tell me where you want to go, where you want to be. I can help you I'm Bima, and on today's show, we talk to Alejandro Rodriguez, founder and creative director of BTFL who has lived a life that would make most fashion heads envious. Born and raised in LA, the son of an entrepreneur who worked his way from washer to owner, Alejandro grew up watching people running their own businesses, but he wasn't necessarily interested in the family business. Baseball and fashion always held his attention until he quit the sport to study art at his mother's encouragement. That encouragement to express himself through art developed in the clothes he wears. And while still in high school, he ended up collaborating with the certified diamond singer Usher, leading to a pretty successful sneaker customization business. After graduating and the interest in painted sneakers declining, Alejandro moved to New Jersey, where he learned more about the business of fashion. After a short stint, he returned home for work and his design jobs would evolve into graphic design. Yep, if you remember Ed Hardy and Affliction, you can blame Alejandro for that. But all he wanted to do was his own thing. So he decided to start a clothing brand called Beautiful Fool, inspired by a line from the movie Great Gatsby. The very next year, he would open a brick-and-mortar location. His vision and creativity would later shift, leading Alejandro to discontinue the very first iteration of the brand. He was in need of inspiration. After a reset and a decision to be true to himself, Alejandro returned with BTFL, focused on simplicity and not following the hype. In our conversation ahead, Alejandro shares a story about his family's restaurant business. It was actually my grandpa's restaurant. Okay. Uh, he got it in the 70s. It was like, he came from Mexico. Uh, 
was working like two or three jobs, like working at one restaurant where he was a bartender. Then he, no, he was a he was a a dishwasher. Mm-hmm. Went up to um, a t- like a waiter, then bartender, then manager, whatever. And he saved up enough money that one day he was uh, he took my dad and all the kids to the doctor. He went to have a beer at a restaurant. And the guy was like man, I'm drowning in this place. I'm underwater. Like, I need to get rid of it. And like, my grandpa's like, you want to sell it? So huh. yeah. He's like, I'll sell it to you 10, 10 grand. So my grandpa was like, grand. all right. He went home, went to the backyard, got a shovel, dug it <laughs> up. <laughs> uh, went back to the dude and gave him dirty hundred, you know, just like, here you go. And that's how he got his restaurant. So my dad started working there when he was 17 years old. Mm-hmm. They've had it 47 years. And, you know, now between him and his his other siblings, mm-hmm. they they run the place. And it's it's kind of like a community hub in Santa Monica. And it's so he, yeah, he came up not working, working in them and owning and own them, them and just, you know, but when you own them, it's like you're doing everything from the plumbing to the cooking to the the roofing to everything. you know everything any everything and anything did so. you uh did you spend time around there as well growing up absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> nah i would do i would do stuff like like helping with that you know like the plumbing or like cleaning up and but i i don't have the personality to uh to be like a waiter or anything like i'm yeah i can't do, you could it. do it did did you ever have like so. expectation from from the family to like you know take on you know, after, you know, maybe like they're like, yo, go, we want you to go do this with your life, but we want you to come back and like manage this thing. Did you ever have any expectations no. like that on you? I don't think, I think my dad, after high school or in high school, like I think he saw like, okay, this isn't for you. Like, mm. not that he expected more from me or there was expectation, but he was like, you deserve more. I want you to have more. Like, mm. because, he, you know, that's, that's the goal of any immigrant parent, right? Like, have more than for their kids to have more than they have so you know so for him if that's what that was his life and he was able to support a family and you know like do it well that he was like i want you to have more than this and that was that was just you know so a part of it right i think so many when you have parents that you know are immigrants or, or parents that are here and don't have much right i think if they have offspring the 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 least you could wish wish for your kids is that they have a better life than you and have, you know, prosperity and wealth. So it's 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 really cool to kind of hear that they weren't like, yo, you gotta you go <laughs> you open up a chain of these restaurants. <laughs> and and I mean I was lucky in that way because I have other friends who are like who came from, you know, their parents immigrated and were first generation and it was almost like no you're going to run this business after me. Like, mm. I don't expect it. Like, you are going to. This is your job as my child. Mm. I mean, it, it could have been interesting. I don't know. But, like, I was lucky enough to have a family that said, no, nah, you don't have to. If you don't want to, you don't have to. We we could, we could see where, you, you know, you can go. Yeah. And that was, that was, you know, cool. I was lucky to have that. Absolutely. When you were coming up, right, like, as you're starting to get into high school and things like that, uh, did you have any kind of mentors or, or people in your life that you that you looked up to uh, when you were younger that you remember? Um, no, not really mentors or anything. There were definitely people I looked up to. Um, but I think back then at such a young age, you're just kind of like, I was, I to be honest, I was kind of sheltered. Like I went mm. to a Catholic school with like 40 kids. And it was oh, like, wow. It, yeah, and then from that, just one year went into a public school with like 600 mm-hmm. just in the snap of a finger. So I was like, 
I didn't have time to think about mentors yeah. or anything. I was just scared. Yeah, like, you're trying to like figure how, out how you how adjust to this. this. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, but there was there was people like baseball coaches that always like would like for some reason everybody I was around always wanted to push me. Mm. You know, like go do more, do more, mm-hmm. do more, whatever. So there was always people like that or teachers, um, but never like real mentors. And then as far as looking up to people, like since the day I could remember even thinking about dressing myself it's always been Ralph Lauren like that's mm. always who I looked up to mm. yeah that classic double <laughs> yeah double R. <laughs> um man you know it's funny fashion somehow and and apparel in the industry it, it, it a lot of it goes back to Ralph Lauren it just I, something about it and just his approach to the business is just always going to have an impact it's to, I mean, in my opinion, it's his approach in the business, but it's also what he was able to capture aesthetically, creatively, whatever the emotion, like the storytelling behind it. Mm. And it just touches on like American culture. Like he was lucky he snagged it early. Like it's almost <laughs> like he got the cheat code. It's like, let me just grab this whole pie and it's mine now, you know? Like, <laughs> I mean, man's had a run for unchallenged run for quite a long time. <laughs> What is it? The 60, 67, mm-hmm, something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Um, so wait, so tell me, you played, so you you played a little baseball growing up too? You had a little little sport, you know? Uh, I played all the way into high school. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No. What, yeah. what 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 was your well, position? Um, when I was actually playing like high school, I was like uh first base and then first and third. Yeah. But like as a kid, I loved being a you know, I used to play catcher and I <laughs> loved that because like just hit like yeah. it was like football but for yeah. baseball you know like <laughs> and they'd run the bases but that was my favorite position for sure yeah so you just growing up love of baseball I feel like that's part of the culture in LA too right it's just Dodgers and Dodgers and I was gonna say it's kind right. of like almost Mexican culture too mm. if, if it's not soccer it's baseball mm. you know like at least here in LA yeah Man, that's it. It's yeah. you know I grew up playing baseball, right? So I played baseball for uh, I think like seven, eight years. Funny enough, when I went to high school, they didn't have a baseball team, and that's the only reason I didn't play no into way. high school. Yeah, it was like this um this magnet school, and someone decided okay. in the in the um, you know administration that they were gonna the school wasn't gonna have major sports, so we didn't have baseball, we didn't have basketball, and we didn't have football. So. What? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't so, know how that makes uh, any sense. No major sports, but what? What uh, did they have? Any sports? We had track, uh, tennis, on. volleyball, <laughs> soccer, that, swimming. That, even, <laughs> that makes no sense. I still, yeah, I, no one, no one can actually form an opinion on how that decision made any sense. But yeah, yeah. is is what it is. Um, now, also, I thought interesting in high school because you had mentioned, you know, your, your your mom had this 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 heavy influence on you from a, a art side, and I know in high school, like around time you were like sixteen or something like that, um, and this had to be like two thousand three, two thousand four, that you had ended up yeah. um, you ended up painting some sneakers for Usher. <laughs> um, tell me about this. See. So- um, should I just give you the full? Yeah, you got to give me the full. Like, what happened? How 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 does this even happen? I mean, I know you're in LA, and so maybe you you, you got a better chance of meeting people, but that's still a very random thing. No, it was it was crazy. Um, so it was 2004. Okay, that that's when it started, right? So, um, my brother, like 
me and my brother are a year apart. Okay. So I always hung out, or two years apart. I don't know. We always hung out in high school. Mm-hmm. And I was part of like the cool kids because I was with the older ones, right? And then he disappeared. He graduated college and I was kind of stuck on my own. Yeah. I was just like, damn, this is weird. Like, <laughs> and I, you know, so I, school, school was easy for me. So it wasn't like I was struggling. I had given up baseball already mm. because I had wanted to go into art as weird as huh. that sounds. And like, yeah, I started taking more art classes and um, I was into fashion. Like eighth grade, I'd won best dress. Every year I'd yeah. get best dress, right? And everybody had like expected me to like just start <laughs> making clothes or whatever. So um, one day, and I don't, I still cannot remember the rap group, but there was a there's a video on like MTV or BET or something. And I think the song was Get Down or Lay Down. Mm. I don't know. I forget who it is. Yeah. You could probably Google it easy, right? Okay. But they had a Jets jersey in the in the the video. And I was like, damn, I don't even watch football, but I was like, the colors, the colors are hard. <laughs> like, yeah, like that jersey is dope. So it just so happened um a week after I saw it, I was gonna take a trip to New York with my family or whatever. So we go to New York and I, mom. Let me get this Jets jersey. jersey. Whatever. Right, right. Yeah. So got the jersey. And then I swear to God, we're going through Brooklyn, Harlem, everywhere, trying to find white Air Force Ones with mm. a green swoosh. Mm. Nowhere in the world, right? I mean, you would have think Nike would, would do have it. that like, coordination, right? Yeah. Yeah. Nothing at all. So I get home, time goes by, and I'm like, I got to do this. So my mom had a bucket of greenhouse paint in in the garage and I was like let me just try it whatever painted some shoes masked them off with tape mm-hmm. I just didn't tell anybody just did it <laughs> warmed the <laughs> warmed the school with the jersey I thought it was cool I was like oh yeah like the green jersey had the Sean John jeans on, Come on. <laughs> <laughs> the white Air Force One and midday the paint starts cracking I'm like yo like no right. yeah um so by the end of the day, paint's completely off. Now it's just the thread's green and has a tint of green. Like I just got dirty shoes. Like I walked in a swamp. <laughs> um, and I thought about it. I was like, it would have been cool if it worked. Hmm. So I researched and I was like, my dad's friends, you know, growing up in Santa Monica, like I said, it was a small town back then. So it's like, oh yeah, my friend Larry Naylor has a paint shop. <laughs> and so we go talk to Larry and he's, well, you can mix this and this and this. And, you know, we tried mixing different paints. Uh-huh. And finally, um, after a few months, after painting shoes for people and, like, just doing crazy stuff, I finally got it down. Mm. And, like you had found, like, a combination uh, that worked that, that allowed I the found paint to stay on? Okay. Yeah. Well, I actually found a company who was doing leather paint. Uh, and they're huge now. But back then, they had a factory in Culver City 10 minutes from my mom's house. So I could ride my bike over there and I had no idea they existed. Yeah. And I got really cool with the the, the chemist who was mixing stuff and he'd give me special products. Oh, look at you. Anyway, so I got, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like so I got really, really good at it. And my brother had come down because him, he went to uh to, I think some, either San Francisco State or you something somewhere up, mm-hmm. up in San Francisco for college. He came down um, and he saw these shoes and he was like, yo, like, what are these? Like, this is crazy. And I had told him, but he didn't believe Mm -hmm. me until he came back and saw him. So he was there. He he dropped out of school. He's like, it's not for me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
he's like a mouthpiece. My brother will talk to anybody about anything. <laughs> he's one of those people that yeah, doesn't matter like, the subject. He can like he can relate to somebody. Yeah, he'll find a way. Yeah. He'll find a way. Um, so we would go around the city just wearing sneakers. <laughs> like this is embarrassing now, but we got back then. <laughs> you know, like people wearing the airbrush tees. I, man, <laughs> so, yes, I know exactly this. So era. We, would, <laughs> we would have our our painted shoes on, like Air Force One dunks, whatever it is. With the matching airbrush version on our T-shirt. Wait, y'all was doubling up. You had the actual you, you had the actual shoe on the shirt. Shoe, <laughs> a picture of the shoe on the shirt, with the name across the chest and our phone number in the back. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, we would go to like clubs and concerts, and people would actually start calling us for shoes. Um, and one day he, you know, that was around the same time throwbacks were in, mm-hmm. and you know, people wearing Astros and Padres and all that stuff. So he goes to the mall one day, the Beverly Center, which is like in L.A. That's like the well, back then it was like the cool mall. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like that's where you just go and hang out or whatever. So he he has a Padres throwback jersey, um, jeans, whatever. And I had painted him some custom Padres Air Force mm-hmm. Ones, had the logo and everything. And he's walking through the mall and he sees Usher and he looks at Usher and Usher just looks down. <laughs> had his shoes and he's like yo and they start talking whatever and my brother said by the end of the conversation usher's down on one knee with my brother's foot in his hand like what the fuck are these <laughs> oh like what are these they exchange numbers whatever a few days later i'm in the studio in la with usher and a few other people like whatever while he's recording confessions wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. So, on a whim, you you know you you make some 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 new 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 sneakers for your brother. He goes to the Beverly Center and randomly has a conversation with Usher. And now you're in a recording studio with Usher for like you know this album that is diamond and like all this impact yeah, around like, the world. Come on, arguably man. like his best album, yeah. right? You know, like <laughs> while he's recording, not just the album, but that like actually no, he played us yeah before it came out, like. We, he, he played it for it. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yes. So at that time, um, and I remember I was 16, 17 yeah. years old, and I'm sitting there with me, my brother, our friend, on the couch, like, uh, <laughs> what's, what's happening? Going on? <laughs> yeah, and Usher, I just remember, like, the Michael Jackson trial was on TV, mm. so he was talking about that. And then he was like, or not a trial, something, something was going on with Michael. And then he just like, what you guys want? You guys want? Money, weed, food, alcohol. I'm like, yo, we're 16. (laughs) All right. But it it just was like, we like clicked right away. You know, it wasn't like it, we were working for him Mm -hmm. or whatever. It was just like, we were hanging out. And then when he was done recording, it's like, all right, so what's up? I like, I have these pair, like these pants. Mm -hmm. What can you guys do? I took a few pictures and ended up painting shoes. We built a relationship and I, a few months later, I mean, the timeline is kind of blurry now, but by the end of it, we did the shoes for his whole tour. You, wait <laughs> a minute. So how many, <laughs> like, how many pairs of sneakers are we talking? And like, what are you doing to these sneakers? Like, how, like, how much detail is going into these designs? It, I mean, it, it was a good amount of sneakers. I, I couldn't even tell you yeah. now how many, because there, then there was like duplicates and triples mm-hmm. of, of certain mm-hmm. things. Um, and it, we were working with him and his stylist at the time, and 
they would just say, this is the outfit, this is the theme, this is the look, go ahead, do some shoes. And that's how it worked out. And yeah, it was crazy because it was like, we almost just had it. I, I don't know. It was, it was insane. <laughs> it's like, still crazy. He'd call sometimes like, day. I'm in a mute. Yeah, because I, I remember they were doing the music video like, hey, we're doing the music video right now. We need some camouflage Adidas. I'm like, what? Man, you know, so, paint got to dry. <laughs> yes. With a blow dryer. I paint, a, go to the set in my paint clothes, paint all over my hand. Everybody's like, who the f is this kid? And I open it. They're like, oh, okay, that's the shoe guy, right? And I, I remember this story specifically because it's it just to this day, tripped me out. So we go in the trailer. He's, oh, what's up? What's up? Like, give him the shoe. And they're getting ready. They have all the jewelry mm -hmm. on the the counter. I was like, you know, I'm a young kid. I'm naive. I was like, is this stuff real? Right. And they're like, nah, nah, it's fake, kid. It's fake. So I pick up this big yellow canary diamond ring. Oh, wow. And I accidentally dropped no, it on the didn't. floor and everybody just, <clears throat> <laughs> you could have hit, heard a pin drop. Like, people were like, so in my head, I was like, that's, that's not, not fake. fake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not like, nah, they're lying. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, definitely not. Come on, man. But yeah, it, it was crazy, man. We, it was it was a weird, wild time. I don't know how I, I managed to do that while still being in school. So you were still school. in school doing this, and were you, like, traveling with them sometimes to, to different events or anything like that? No, we never traveled with them. Okay. Um, but yeah, this was my senior year in high school, so... I guess, at, well, at that time, I had, like I said, school was never a problem. Mm -hmm. So I finished all my credits early, whatever. So I'd be able to get out of school at, at noon. So I guess that's how it happened. Yeah, I'm yeah, because you had already kind of, I, I remember that about like senior year, right? Because if you had all the, the credits out of the way, like you could basically be out of there by 11 or, or noontime. 11, 12 o'clock, right? Yeah. Yeah, so then, so I would get out of school at 12 and then, damn, that siren is loud. Um, I would I'd go downtown because I was another funny thing. I was interning at Seven Jeans. <laughs> um, go there till five, and then head back home and start painting sneakers. So and then the weekends, you know. So that's yeah. I guess that's how it happened. Yeah. So at a young age, you were already. <laughs> it, it sounds like you were pretty driven as far as what you wanted to do, right? Like it, you didn't sound like you were doing random stuff like you it sounds like you were pretty committed to a certain direction at this point yeah and I, it's funny because it was never like i never thought about it as like business right or like thinking about it as like a career it was just something i really liked to do and i was i was excited every time i get i got to see a new design that i did or like you know excited when somebody else saw something for the first time like this is painted like hmm. what you know and it that I think was the fun part for me. Just um, you know, the the, the art behind it. Right. It was never about like and it's I didn't feel driven. It's just something that I like you wanted inspired, to inspire, sounds know? like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cause I feel like driven is like you have to like, I'm gonna just, you know, strap up my boots and go no matter what. <laughs> right. Like this was like, nah, I'm chilling. Yeah, like, this just feels like I get to paint with my friends do. and yeah, and make money off of it. Like that's cool. Do you remember what you uh, were charging Usher for these these uh, Air Force Ones? Way less than we should have. <laughs> Isn't that always how it happens, though? <laughs> Man, if I would have known what I had back then, yeah, crazy. Yeah. Uh, so you, as you're finishing up high school, and you got this on the resume, right? You just you know you've been working with Usher, and um, things are you know expanding and growing. What what did you decide that you were gonna do after after high school? What was what was the plan? 
Well, see, the, the crazy thing is, it wasn't just like even Usher. Like that was, and that was one of the people <laughs> that we worked with. Like we have stories about like Method Man and Missy Elliott and Madonna and Damon Dash and um, Nelly. Just endless, right? Yeah. Busta Rhymes. Like it was crazy. Like, and so after a certain point, it, it like, it didn't feel like, ooh, anymore. It's like, oh my God, Buster Rhymes wants another, another pair, pair of shoes. I gotta do another pair. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, like, um, so, <laughs> that's funny. Uh, so it, I guess at the end, I, I, I kept going into, like, at t- towards the end of high school and then I started meeting people who, I guess they assumed like, okay, you like fashion, you like clothes, like, hey, you should check out fashion school and that was never on my radar mm-hmm. right like i i told my dad my dad from a very young age was like if i ask one thing of you it's go to college mm. right and i was like i could do usc you know whatever yeah. but was, that was my goal i was gonna go everything was said and then some lady came was like you should try fashion school and my mom was excited, like, yeah, do fashion school. <laughs> I was like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Um, so I went for the interview, whatever, and, and I decided right there, I was like, okay, sorry, dad, but I'm going to go to fashion school. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, like, that's where I decided to go after. And then from then, it's just, I haven't looked back. It's just, been the, the, that's the path that that's been, been the direction ever since. And it, it's a weird, dire- it's kind of like, a wide direction, right? It's not like a narrow road. Like right. I don't think fashion is. Because at the end of the day, I mean, yes, it's fashion, but I look at it as more like art, right? And mm-hmm. that can take you in crazy Any route, Right, because fashion, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's so many different things you can you can do in that space. And so when you decide to go to, to fashion school, you you ended up going to um, the uh, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandise. Where, where, where was that at? Fit him. So that's downtown LA. That's downtown that's LA. Like okay. Right in the mix of all this stuff. Like it's actually like two blocks from where my office is right now. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so I've been coming down here for like 15 years. It's wow. crazy. Wow. Just it, it's crazy how like proximity, right? Like you're literally around uh the these different things that you would basically become your career. Um, what was the experience like um going to fashion school? I'll just be honest with you, and this is not to like derail any mm-hmm. kid from going to fashion school or like whatever. It to me, I and maybe I'm saying this because I already went through. I don't know, but it didn't seem like it was worth the time. Or mm-hmm. maybe it's you know from the the first thing they told you in that school was you're going to get out of it what you put into it. Okay, and because of the shoe thing, I was so busy trying to like keep up with that mm-hmm. school the fashion school part of it was like ah, oh, whatever I did my homework I passed the test <laughs> yeah. it's fine like it didn't seem important to me like the shoes were more important at that at that time so I don't think I really got out as much as I could have mm-hmm. or maybe it was the major I don't know I just I didn't really enjoy my experience mm-hmm. there and it was it wasn't like a community school, right? Like it, like there was no dorms, there was huh. no nothing. It's like you go there and go home. It's like a trade school, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't meet anybody really. Like I'm very introverted, shy, yeah. like kind of, you know. So to yourself, didn't meet key. anybody. Yeah. yeah, went to class, and then classes would be three hours apart. So I was like, 
go to class, walk around downtown for three hours, and then <laughs> go to another one. It, it, yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah. It wasn't the best experience, but I met people there hmm. that helped me in my career and pushed me to, like, you know, do more and do better and go further. Yeah. And there was little things there that people said to me that, like, stuck with me. Mm. Um, like, till now. Yeah. So, were there any, that like... That was worth it. Were there any, like, skills that you may have uh, kind of discovered or things that you discovered about yourself that you would start to hone from that path on? I think it introduced me into just a bunch of different skills that I didn't know I had or whatever, but eventually working on it, it you, you know, you could perfect. like it. And that's why I said the major. My major was like a... It was an overhaul of the whole industry. It wasn't like mm. fashion design mm-hmm. or manufacturing. It was like every single thing, how to run a business, how to mm. look at fabric, how to, how to, you know, so I never really got to learn one thing, yeah. which was, you know, but it introduced me to a lot. Yeah, totally. So after, so you would end up finishing that and, and, and moving on. Uh, what would be the next thing in your career, right? Like, what would you, after you're, you're done with that and, you know, kind of the sneaker things kind of, you know, you're kind of being, you know, worn out by that. Like, what was the next thing that you were looking, were inspired by, I guess? That was like, from what I remember now, like, because, you know, you grow up and everything doesn't seem as bad as it was. <laughs> exactly. Through, right. Um, but that part, like that point in my life seemed like tough mm. back then. Like, um, I wasn't worn out by the sneakers. I was like, sneakers started to fade away. Hmm. Like, you know, and I'm sure you'll remember too, like when it was, it was Air Force Ones, right? Yep. And the Air Force Ones turned into Dunks. Yep. And then the Dunks turned into Vans yes. and Converse, right? Yep. And so I couldn't charge $500 anymore Not to paint a pair of Vans. Yeah. People were like, get out of here. And nobody wanted to. Right. <laughs> yeah. Nobody wanted paint the Vans anyway. They wanted to beat them up. Mm-hmm. And so... It wasn't that I got tired. It's almost like it got snatched away from me. Okay. Um, at a time, I didn't expect it to. Like, I, at that point, I was like, we were turning it into sweatshirts and we started mm-hmm. doing like t-shirts and we were trying to grow this thing, but with the sneakers being the foundation. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like got ripped out from under me. And then all the people who I was doing it with started going their different routes. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, and um, then... Yeah, I had graduated college. It was two years. And I, I started I started a week after high school. So I finished. Oh wow. S- soon. Yeah. yeah like so I'm quick. I'm young running around <laughs> like a college graduate, <laughs> not not knowing what to do with myself. Mm-hmm. So sneakers are gone. And I was just kind of like roaming for a while, just like trying to figure it out. And um, this is weird, but I remember I was I was at a a funeral mm. for one of my friend's mom and one of his friend's mom, who he grew up with, randomly came up to me and was like, hey, I heard you paint sneakers. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Like, Any interest in making clothes? <laughs> I was like, yeah, for sure. Like, I love clothes. Yeah. Like, I love Ralph Lauren. Like, you know, I'm young. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, of course I would love to. She's like, well, 
I want my daughter to make clothes too. If you could come teach or anything, I'll fly you out to New York and you can live with me and I'll help you start a clothing line. This is the most <laughs> random experience. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> weird, right? And I'm just like, what? Yeah. Like it, like it was, it was strange. I'm, and this is me just turning 18. So I'm like, hey, like, yeah, you're really like, what, what are you, you really uh-huh, asking? Uh-huh. Like, you know, um, so we figured out I go. Wow. I go to New York, which was actually New Jersey. Okay. Which, you know, and <laughs> which, and she had a nice house, huge like mansion, right? And my friend actually moved with me, like the one whose mom, you know, had passed. Mm. And um, so I'm there for a few months and trying to figure out the fashion industry. Mm. And I remember I go into this one, one place in this, I still remember this like older Puerto Rican man named Robin. He he owned the shop and it was like a sewing machine place. And he's like, yeah, I do work for Ralph Lauren and blah 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 blah. blah, blah, blah. Like, and I was like, oh, I yeah, made I it. I'm on. Yeah, like, yeah, I, I got the, it. This, I'm, this I'm sketching clothes. <laughs> yeah, like, and I have the white MacBook, right? You know, like those little laptop, the white exactly ones. I'm what you're talking about. On Illustrator doing CADs and and so I print out this stuff and I give it to him. He's like, yeah, yeah, Bobby, I can make it. Ooh, ooh. I get it back and it's like triple x tall stuff like huge like rock aware stuff and i'm like yo this is like and i I just i couldn't figure it out you know i'm still young Mm -hmm. i'm like away from home like i never moved away from la like that was my first first time time. yeah and trying to do and i was like i can't do this like for months i would just try to go like i was like where is this fashion garment district everybody talks about Mm -hmm. like Cause you know in LA, it's you could walk the street and you see fabric here, a sewer there, boom, like it's all. New York, it's all up. Hmm. I guess hmm. still, I still don't know. Yeah. Like I still don't know where the garment <laughs> is. So I just couldn't figure it out. Um, so again, I felt like, damn, I couldn't get that either. Like what? Like am I gonna be in fashion? So I came back home, hmm. um, floated around a little bit tried to start painting sneakers again and did kind of have some luck with like Vans and Converse but not as much Um, and then I just started looking around for like weird design jobs Mm, like like as a designer like you were going to do apparel designer and stuff like that for other people yeah what I thought and then turned into like graphic design of like affliction type like <laughs> Ed Hardy yeah. <laughs> I yeah I contributed to you, that you, like talk about the time I'm, period you, you remember those yeah. Ed Hardy tees <laughs> yeah I'm embarrassed to say that I contributed to that Von whole look, Dutch. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I did that for a while and then that like you know a few years passed and I was like what am I doing mm. like, I'm not I'm doing design, but I'm not doing design that makes me happy. Yeah. You're just trying to pay the bills. Yeah. And it's like, why though? Mm. You know, like at the end of the day, and I know this is a little bit privileged maybe. And like a lot of people don't have this opportunity or this like, but like I thought if, if it doesn't work, like I'm not going to be homeless. I could just go back to my mom's house. Yeah. You know, like, I wasn't worried about it. It's not like I, I had a wife and kids or anything. It was me. And I was yeah. just like, I just wanted to go. So I was like, F- it. And I quit the job and started making clothes. Like, like so you started making like your own clothes. 
Yeah, I mean, it has started while I was still at the job. Okay. Like, and it, the crazy part is so. This is just a little fun, fun fact. <laughs> so after I graduated college, uh, you know, the deal with my dad was like, graduate from college, I'll get you any car you want. Right? <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, so of course he thought I was going to come with like, I want a Beamer. Mm-hmm. I want like, I was like, man, got, got a 64 Impala. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Candy painted orange, white top, white interior, like crazy, come right? on. And this was my everyday driver. Yeah. So I'm I'm in downtown LA and you know what it's like mm-hmm. crazy down here. So I'm in downtown LA on my lunch break, hop in the sixth floor, go through the fashion district, buy fabric, run it up to a sewer that I've just found by walking in the building, blah, 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 get samples made, run back to my job and do that every single day for a few months. And after I was like, I'm done with this. Mm. Like I have more fun on my one hour lunch break. Mm doing what I want to do than I have in this eight hours sitting behind this de- desk clicking on the computer. Yeah, like, it, it doesn't make sense for me. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I quit and then just went. When we come back, Alejandro steps into his happiness and business burst at the seams. For this week's 99 Days of Design feature, let's hear from Franklin Watley, owner of Classic Men Barbershop. As he prepares for what's next, Franklin shares his experience working with 99designs to reimagine his brand identity. Started cutting in high school, and one of my uncles cut uh, NBA player Terrell Brandon's hair. And one day, my uncle wasn't available, and he was scrambling around looking for a haircut. I think he had a photo shoot or something. So then he called me, and I cut his hair. And then the more we started building a relationship, I started cutting his hair every time he came to town, even after he got traded from Cleveland. So one day, and I, I remember like it was yesterday, my phone rang and, I, and it said Portland, Oregon on it. And I'm like, who is this? Because usually, you know, he called me from a Cleveland number, but he called me from his Portland number and he said, hey, what's up? And I'm like, who is this? And he's like, it's TV. I'm like, oh, what's up, man? I don't know this number. He said, yeah, what you doing? I said, I'm chilling. He said, well, um, I'm about to send a, a flight out to you to Portland. I want you to come check out the barbershop. I want you to come work here. You know, I thought about it for a while, talked to a couple family members and friends, and I decided to, to move, uproot myself in Portland. You know, in the barber profession, there is no promotion. You have to promote yourself. So that's what I did. I gave myself a promotion. After 10 years in the barbering business, it was time for a promotion, you know? So that's how I got to Classic Men. When you're in barber school, they make you do a thing for your barbershop. You have to make your own barbershop, make your own flyers, make your own business cards. And the name I had back then was Classic Men. So I forgot all about that until that dumb song came on from Jadena, I'm a classic, which I hate the song so much. But it reminded me, oh, that was the name I had him. So then instead of Classic Man, I did Classic Men. And that's how that name came along. I did not know how much I loved and needed barbering until we were shut down. I was lost. I was completely lost. Like, I did not know what to do with myself. I was trying different things, trying to read, trying to do all these different things. But nothing satisfied me. 
you know, there was there was nothing that made me feel whole. And I was uh I went through a little spell of like lost, like and finally when they said we could open back up, you know, I was excited, but oh my god, we gotta do all of these things for so all these, what was it, PP, PPE or whatever, all these things that we, gloves and masks and you can't find Lysol, you can't find toilet paper. You remember when you couldn't find toilet paper? <laughs> you can find toilet paper now, but back then you couldn't even find toilet paper. You couldn't find paper towels. You couldn't find Lysol wipes. You couldn't find nothing, but they wanted us to have all these things before we opened up. And uh, man, it was, it, was, it was a tough road to hold. Had a couple barbers quit. A couple barbers leave the industry because unemployment was better than working. Why would you work and get unemployment? So I, 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 I went through all those struggles, but it seems that I'm coming out on the other side right now. And man, I'm happy to be here. Looking to refresh his brand identity, Franklin shares his thoughts on working with 99designs by Vistaprint. As soon as I seen it, I said, that's the one. It was only two things. There's a car in the logo, and I like classic cars. So she put a classic car that was like, uh, like old, like a 32, like Henry Ford, you know, type of car. And I was like, no, I put a 6.4 in there. So, so she put a 6.4 in there, and then the hat was like an old, like Peaky Blinders hat. And I was like, nah, put a pro model in there because what my classic men is is a, is a, is a new take on an old idea. So I wanted the mixture of retro and old school to kind of c- combine. So as we did that, um, and the colors were just right, it was just, it was just the one. You just knew it was the one. July 1st, I'm opening a new shop, and you know I had a budget for it. And now my budget has increased, so I'm I'm making it as pristine as possible. The things that I'm doing to this shop is just like above what I you know, what I thought I could do or what I was financially uh, able to do. So um, I'm really excited about it going forward. It's full throttle now. I've, I've sat back long enough, you know, and I've had conversations with myself long enough. Like the future is like so right for me right now. Like I'm just ready to just attack you know what I mean? Like, I'm tired of sitting back waiting or hoping. You know, I'm ready to attack. Like, I'm ready to get out there and really, like, pose that, you know, when you come to Portland, this is where you should come. That was Franklin Watley, owner of Classic Men Barbershop. Learn more about 99 Days of Design, a 99 Designs by Vistaprint initiative at 99designs.com slash 99 Days of Design. Hey, it's Bima. Welcome back to Claim of Stories. While working a day job as a graphic designer, Alejandro is inspired to create his own label, Beautiful Fool. I had been thinking about it for years, right? Okay. And it was... So, like, the name came from The Great Gatsby. And I always, like, when I say that, people are like, ooh, that's so cool, but then... I don't know if now I'm like, does that even make sense? <laughs> it sounds cool, right? So um, there was a line in the book where Daisy is talking to Nick, which, you know, and 
She goes, when my child grows up, I want her to be a beautiful little fool because it's the easiest way to grow up in this world. Mm. And I'm probably paraphrasing, right? And I remember reading the book in high school when I was painting the sneakers. And I, I thought about that line. And I remember the teacher asked me, what does that mean? Mm. And for some reason, I thought about that years after. And I was like, what did it mean? It's like, and for me, it was kind of like, ignorance is bliss, right? Mm. Like the, the less you know about something, the more you're willing to go, the further that you're willing to go. Because if somebody tells you from the beginning, uh, you probably shouldn't do that because you're going to run into this problem. Or, you know, you might have an issue here. Like, by the end of the, all that, you're like, why am I even, why am do I even this? doing this? <laughs> yeah, right? And so I was like, damn, that's tight. Like, beautiful fool. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you know, beautiful little. I was like, I can't do beautiful little fool. That sounds like a whatever kids right, call right. and clo- <laughs> whatever. And then for some reason, I didn't like the double O. So I put a U with mm-hmm. the umlaut mm-hmm. over it. And then it, you know, it turned into something, but we made it like mm. we made it into something, mm. you know, and I started it 2000, started making stuff in 2012-ish. Okay. And like, at that time, it was like selling to like friends who had stores. Mm. You know, I had a, Friend who had a store on Sunset, mm-hmm. friend who had a store in Venice, friend who had a store in in uh, Malibu. But then we did it completely backwards and launched in 2013 with our own store. What? Like, so what do you mean when you say backwards? Well, why why would you say that's backwards? Because I feel like you know the well the proper way right is to like build a brand, get a bunch of wholesale accounts. Mm-hmm. Once that's taken care of itself, then you go and open your flagship. Like, ah, okay. oh, I'm okay. here. Look at that. You know, and it's like, and I guess that makes sense if you, like, if you know the ups and downs and how it's going to work mm-hmm. out and why. But like I said, we didn't know. We didn't care. Yeah. It was like, we want a store. Right. We're going to do a store. Like, that's, you know, so we launched it in a store, 2,000 square foot space downtown LA, two stories with a mezzanine that we wow. built. Like, me, my dad, my brother, and our like construction friend um, built it for like a few months, and that's how we launched the brand. Wow! So you launched your brand like just your own brick and mortar, right? Like you you didn't have to go through other partners to do all of these different things. So tell me, you know, because if you think about that, right? There's brick and mortar. You have these overhead costs that just that just comes with it. Plus, you got the cost of creating your your garments and, and, you know, staff and all those different things. How are you going to get the word out about, you know, your label? Like, what, you know, what were you, how are you going, how are people going to find out about it? I don't even think we worried about that, mm. to be honest. Yeah. Like, we didn't think about it. Um, which was, again, a little naive, I think. Um, it was more like, you know, people say, if you build it, they'll come. <laughs> so, we, and, uh, you know, it's, a store in LA and I'm from LA and I know so many people and you know I, because of the whole like my history with dealing with Usher and this we you know got into be friends with people who style this person and that person and it kind of just all like happened and um, I don't, I don't want to say I got lucky but you know like there'd be times where I'd make a collection and shoot it and send it to Hypebeast and they'd post, post it, it up the next day like yo look at this brand blah, 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 yeah. complex whoever and it, it would be like damn like okay yeah. like and people would start coming to the store mm. and it, it just you know it 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it, we really didn't think about it was more how organic. we were going to get people. It right. was organic. Like it was it just, definitely was organic. This was like, it, it, just, it, it was another iteration of what you were already doing, right? So it wasn't a departure from any, like, departure from anything as far as, like, the community of people that you were already around. So it, it kind of felt already natural that they would be interested in it. And then you already had a relationship. So you're like, yo, you know, I'm going to send this to Complex and, you know, hopefully they'll put it up and more people will find out. Um, now, now, as you're doing that, what? tell me what kind of, what kind of apparel were you making at this time? Like, what, what were some of the pieces that you were you were creating? Uh, I think, like, if you ask anybody about Beautiful Flow, I think they'll say, like, the, the thing that we were doing really, really well mm-hmm. is outerwear. Mm. Whether it was, like, leather moto jackets or varsity jackets or um, denim jackets. Like, that, that was our thing. Like, that's mostly what we focused on. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just like extreme, like zippers and buttons, <laughs> you know, like yeah. just going all out. Um, but it was a full collection. We were doing everything from T-shirts to, you know, jeans. The same categories that I'm in now, just in a different way, you know, like yeah. same art, different medium. Yeah, totally, totally. And and did you feel like you saw success? Like, did it grow to a place of where you envisioned it to be? Like, how was that journey for you? Um, that's tough for me because I don't think anything's ever where I envisioned it to be. You know, like I always, I don't want to say nothing's ever good enough because that's a horrible way to live life. But it's like, I, <laughs> um, every time I got to somewhere where I thought I wanted to be, I was like, this isn't enough. I need to go, you know, further. Mm-hmm. And um. It did a lot. Like, it's it's crazy. Like, looking back on it now, I could say, wow, like, we accomplished a lot. Because mm-hmm. it was really just me and my business partner, Tomasa. Like, we did a lot. Wow. And, um, but it wasn't, it, no, to answer the question, no, it wasn't to the point where I wanted it to be or where I thought it should be. But it was also, we were young. Mm-hmm. We were like 25, 26, 27, you know, yeah. trying to, run this business that's getting written about in GQ and comp. Like, it just was, like, too much for us. We didn't, we're both artists. Mm-hmm. It's not like, you know how they say, like, the artist should find the business part, <laughs> the business-minded partner. Like, no, nah, we were both creative artists, you know, living in L.A. Yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. You were so, just, you know, you you wanted to create art, and that's how that showed up for you through, through apparel and through garments. Um, did you ever show at, at Fashion Week through this label? Yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. actually. Um, my first fashion week, though, was actually back when I was 16. <laughs> Your first fashion week? <laughs> it wasn't wow. really fashion week. I mean, it was, you know, it was magic in Vegas. Yeah. But my first one I ever had a booth at, I was 16 years old. Wow. Did you, uh, you know, I, I meant to ask you, like, at that age, were you intimidated by any of this stuff? You know what I mean? Because you're super super young like and maybe it's you might Uh, tell me it's you know being a beautiful fool and you don't know what you don't know i i don't know (laughs) no i think i would have i think i i think i would have been more intimidated if i didn't have my brother and and friends with us then they were they were very confident you know and they acted like they belonged in those rooms that we were in so that gave me the confidence to be like okay well then i belong belong here here too right yeah. And I I think if it wasn't for them, I would have been freaked out. Like, <laughs> crazy. Yeah. 
it's it, it's great to always have that that support circle. And I think that's a great a great lesson that that you're sharing right now. And especially when you're going into these different things, it's great to have folks around you that you trust, right, um, and that reflect the same values that you do. Otherwise, it could be a very uh, challenging scenario. That I mean, that's the most important thing, right? Having finding people to have the same values. Like you could disagree on what color to pick for something or, you know, what model you want to use or whatever. But as long as your values are aligned, it it makes it easier to, like, to get past those small disagreements or whatever. And you still know your goal is the same and that you're, like, your work ethic's the same and the way that you treat your employees or whatever, anything. Like, as long as that's aligned, I think that is the easiest way to, like, organically grow something. Because then... It takes that off your chest. You're not worried about like, damn, does this, am I doing the right thing? Mm. Because that's that's what's important in a business, right? Mm-hmm. Making, that that's building the foundation. And then all the other stuff is just the fluff, yeah. you know? But you know, that is the most important thing. Finding somebody you could trust and who are, whose values are aligned with you. Right, right. So this first label, you know, Beautiful Fool, you end up doing different fashion weeks and things like that. But you eventually decide to 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 roll this label kind of kind of down right and so what what ended up happening what you know why did it come to an end in the original state that it was in what how did you make that decision um to be honest i think it was just timing like uh we actually like well downtown at the time got really really bad right mm-hmm. so our block had when we moved in it started sprouting like levi's had a pop-up shop okay. there there was restaurants popping up everything started to grow and we're like damn look at what we did right, right. Like, we started this yeah. right three months later just really tank like bad like people drugs and crime like and so we we're like we can't be here anymore mm-hmm. like it just it didn't make sense for us and at the time, I, I don't know. I felt maybe I was uninspired. Mm-hmm. It was around 2016, and we decided to take a year off. Mm-hmm. And we took a whole year off, and we... I don't know what we were doing, to be <laughs> honest. Like, I, I really don't remember. Yeah. Like, um, I think the goal was take a year off from the store and plan. Like, let's, let's make some goals. Let's set mm-hmm. some plans to really go full force 2017 and, you know, go to Paris and show out there and blah, blah, blah and whatnot. And yeah, we did it and it just, I, I still wasn't happy. Like, yeah. we, uh, to be honest, we picked up some people along the way that like didn't align with our values. It wasn't the right fit, right. Yeah, and it wasn't the right fit and it, it, it just made us go all over the place and at a certain time you know like business to me is like life right Mm. like as you grow and mature you change and what you want changes right and you learn from either mistakes or lessons and I feel like with business too it's like I'm not perfect nobody's perfect I I was 26 27 nobody told me like this is exactly what you're gonna do guy and this is how you run you're not like we were playing the whole time and and you learn from it and you grow and you want different things and that's that's what happened and I think um, after a while I was like 
it just didn't feel good, mm. you know, to keep doing it. And it felt almost fake to me. Hmm. Hmm. And like, and I think both of us felt like that. Me and my partner, we were just kind of like, it, it, it started to become a job. Mm. Like, a, you know? like a chore and you, you had to show up and, yeah. you know, it just your heart wasn't there. Yeah. And, and, and I didn't even like saying the name anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that's just me being honest. Man. I, yeah. I'm not going to flip it and yeah. try to make it sound like like some cool story. Like that's... Because real life, that's business and it happens. You know, like if sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you're inspired, sometimes you're not. But you just got to fight every day to get to like, to be inspired, to do something that makes you happy. You know? Yeah. That's I mean that's what matters. That's reality, right? Like that's uh, and, and it's just it's honest and it's real. You know, I I spent so much of my career trying to uh, get to this certain place, right? Like I, I spent so much time trying to get to um, my entertainment role at Nike, and you know it's this role where you know at the time that I was seeking it, it didn't even exist. Like I'm like I think I'm like. 16, 17, and, uh, you know, we're buying all these sneakers and then you get into like 2005 and you're buying the SBs and all all of this stuff. And I'm just like, I got to work on this. I got to, you know, I got to be in this. And uh, I, I got there and I realized that my passions had shifted, right? And what had inspired me had shifted because I I had grown. I'd, I'd learn more about the world. I'd learn more about these different things. And so it's not, when you share something like that, it's not shocking that, you know, it just, it evolved, right? And I think we as humans, we go through this thing where we have to figure out what, what inspires inspires us next, what what feeds us. Because um, it isn't always just, you're going to walk in and it's going to be like, yep, this is the same thing every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, like you said, you learned about the world, right? And the more you saw, you learned about, but it's also like, we learned about ourselves, yeah. which that's very important. Like, and you, like, you have to really like take account of that and, and think about the things that you learn and how that changes your mind. And like, I, I'm not sure if a lot of people do it. They're just, oh, I just changed my mind and let's just go. But it's like, why? Hmm. Why did you change your mind? Was it did you run into something that you didn't like, or did you run into something that you liked a lot, or did you you know? And it's like and figuring that out and not just being so, I don't know, just like okay, like how you said, doing the same thing <laughs> yeah. and seeing the same thing for the rest of your life. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's just there's no. I mean, I I mean personally, I couldn't do it. I know I, there's no way that. And I remember experience <laughs> like when I was. Um, when I had like this first job, I, my first job was like this data entry job. And you think about that right now. It's like you were just sitting there doing data entry into like Excel yeah. sheets. And I knew people that did that, that they were there. They were like 10 years older than me. And they'd been doing it for 10 years. And I had to have a real conversation with myself because I was like, there's no way I'm doing this for 10 years. <laughs> and you know what, though? Some people love that. I know. And which is crazy, right? Some people love sitting there and putting entering data. And that, and that's why it's like, do what you love to do, yeah. and just do it great. Yeah, do it great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, tell me about right. So then, if that that's starting to wind down, that's 2016, and you're you're not inspired. Um, how do you start to you know find new things, or when do you start to find new things that actually start to capture your attention again? Um. Well, I think like how I said earlier, while I was still at that one job, on my lunch break, I would do, you know, my own thing. 
So while Beautiful Fool is going, it's still like I have two minds, right? It's like Beautiful Fool. And then in the back of my mind, it's like, all right, what else though? Like, or what what am I missing? What don't I love anymore? What do I love that I'm not doing? And a lot of it came into like a self-realization about me, right? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like, and maybe young the young designers can connect with this or find something. And it's like, I feel like when you first start, you you want to be so different than everybody else, right. right? That you almost become somebody that you're not. Yes. Right? And you <laughs> you do things that you normally wouldn't think are cool or think are like, what you know? Mm-hmm. And and so I think for, for me, Beautiful Fool is like, I well, if everybody's into sneakers and this like streetwear look, I'm going to go opposite. Not like boots and leather jackets and that, you know, and it, it was cool. Like, mm-hmm. I'll still look at some of the lookbooks like, damn, that was <laughs> dope. Yeah. Like, but it didn't feel like me anymore, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and so it was like the things I was finding were like looking at more like vintage clothing and, um, you know, like go to the Rose Bowl, like flea market mm-hmm. and find pants that like were painted on. Yeah. And, just stuff that was naturally worn or like, you know, that somebody owned that had character. And then just like, you know, I'm getting older. I don't want to wear boots all the time. So I was like, let me. <laughs> so I started getting back into like wearing sneakers again. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. I remember, I remember this. like this. Yeah. Like, okay. And like lately I've been like, it's actually stupid. Like, it's like right before I got on right now. I went to go look at fabric and I was walking. I was like, oh, there's a sneaker shop. I came out with like no, a you, shoe. You, just, you went <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just right before this. And I'm like, damn. But it, it's getting out of control. But yeah, it's like, so things like that, you know, and just find the things that I used to love and how to incorporate it back into what I want to do. And it was almost kind of like, stop looking outward and stop mm. looking at what this designer is doing and what that's going on about. It was kind of just like, come back, mm. simplify everything, get rid of everything you don't want to. And just like, start fresh Hmm. and that's like and it was scary but then now I look at it it's like why was it scary it's not like we had 50 stores and (laughs) you know what it's like who cares if I want to change it I want to change right and that's what we did and now that's that's where we are that's where we are and so and and so now that the the name has changed right so it's BTFL and what 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 inspired the the change in the name? Like, why did you feel like that was an important thing to do? Uh, like I said earlier, I felt like I kind of started feeling embarrassed mm. of the name. Like, because people would say like, beautiful, fuel, or like, like nobody knew how to say it. And then beautiful sounded funny. And I just like, whatever. So the name was the first thing. Ah. Right. Uh, but I also am not like a brand person at all. And like logos over my head, like <laughs> I just I you know whatever. So I I kind of wanted to keep some of the heritage yeah. of beautiful pool, right? Obviously, BT, you know, um, because I thought that was important. Because at the end of the day, it's I did it, mm-hmm. like, right? Like, and I could say I busted my <laughs> from the very beginning to turn something, turn turn some, nothing into something, right? right? And I didn't want I didn't want to I didn't want to forget about that, but I don't want other people to forget about it because it's like you search BTFL, you'll get the other beautiful full stuff and you'll be like, oh mm-hmm. like you know, so I wanted to keep the heritage, but it's just like strip it down and like one of my favorite t-shirts is um 
just the old army teaching A R M Y, right? Yeah. Uh, and it, I used to say that was my good luck show. So I'd wear it to like fashion weeks <laughs> and shit, like under a jacket or whatever. Um, and so I just, I, I don't know why, like that was like the only graphic tee I would wear. Mm. And I saw just the plain writing. And I was like, that's tight. Yeah. BTFL. And that's like where the idea came from. And it just, it felt right. It stuck. You know? Yeah. It stuck. It stuck. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of, um, something that you had mentioned before and you said simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. And it, is that kind of how you start to apply a lot of those things into, you know, your brand, your design approach? Um, like, is that kind of, am I off or is that kind of... No, you're a hundred percent right. I mean, and it's, it's also like, that is the goal, right? Mm-hmm. Simpl- simplify simplicity. Like, cause I do believe that like, you know, sometimes when you, you'll see like a room, right? Like that an architectural digest page or whatever. And sometimes the most minimal rooms with nothing in them, you're like, damn. Yeah. But when they're gaudy and have curtains and couches and rugs and it, you're like, Come on. like <laughs> yeah, it's expensive. It's expensive. It costs a lot mm-hmm. of money. It's like luxury, but it doesn't feel sophisticated, right? right. You know, so... It was that idea and that's the goal and I still struggle with it to this day, mm-hmm. like trying to simplify. But that that is what we do. And I think again, talk to talk about like being a young designer, being um, any kind of creative, I think when you learn a new a new um, a new thing, a new like I don't know, it's it's you tend to just put everything into it right everything like, <laughs> if you get a new paint set you're gonna put every single color on the canvas and 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 mix them and and yeah it's fun and you think like damn this is amazing but i think the hardest part about designing is editing and stripping mm. away some of the stuff that mm. you put into it because you don't need it you all. you don't like, need it all right you have to let you have to let whatever you're creating speak for itself you can't just like bombard it with all these things and expect it to like say something right like, and I think that's not to say that's where we are now, but that's where we're that's where the idea came and that's where we're learning to get to, right? Mm-hmm. Like like almost like stop, look, all right, now we can go for it. Instead of just always just ah blah 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 ideas, ideas, ideas. Like, you know? Yeah. No, uh, yeah, it's, I think it's a super important like thing to to think about is that a lot of these things that we have in our lives, right? Like we, you know, a lot of these tools that we have, you, you can have all these tools, but it still won't make you necessarily better. What makes you better is f- figuring out how to use that that thing that you can do better than anything else you can do. Like really stripping it down and being like, you know what? We don't need, I don't need this in like 18 colors. I need this in two. <laughs> exactly. The two best ones. Mm-hmm. The two best ones. Yeah. Yeah, no. That's one hundred percent true. Yeah. So so now that you're 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 in a different space now, and obviously inspired by by the new space that you're in with uh, BTFL, um, have you been able to like explore outside of that, right, and, and continue to like maybe even you know work on different projects, collaborate with other people? Like how ha- how have you been able to expand in that way? Um. So yeah, I think being more comfortable in what I do, right, with BTFL and feeling proud of it has allowed me to actually, like, get out there and voice it or, like, show it. And, you know, I, everything is based on energy. I don't know if you're into all Absolutely. that, right? So 
I feel like the energy that I put into what I make now is like positive, good, confident, right? So that that goes out into the world. And I think people see it now. And it has given me the opportunity to um, work with other brands, other people, other companies to where like, <laughs> I mean, I'm doing a lot of stuff now that we see like on blogs and, and on, you know, on Instagram every day. And it's just like, yeah, like that's cool. You know, <laughs> like I don't have to put my name out, yeah. there, but it, it's, you know, and I think it's just really interesting that like having the, I guess like you said earlier, the drive and like, I don't know what the word, but just to stick with it mm. and just keep going and, and figuring it out, right? Yeah. Whether there's like a huge bump in the road, it's like not just saying, all right, I'm done. Right. Not just like, like, all right, it took me out. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, all right, that hurt my, you know, <laughs> and put some band-aids on, get <laughs> whatever. Get up and go, like and that. You know, that, it's brought a lot of opportunity. Yeah, I, for sure. I think the one thing that I um, I'm inspired by most by your story is kind of what you're you're sharing about how it's not. You know, when you start off, it, it, like anything, it's always the most exciting. Like you know what I mean. Like it's always fresh. It's always new. And then sometimes when you get in it, there's there's difficult things that come up. Right. And it doesn't mean that you're not necessarily supposed to be doing it. It just means that some difficult came up (laughs) and it's up to you to decide, Okay, well, what's next? What do I want to do with this difficulty? Do I, you know, do I want to give up? Do I want to pivot? How much does it mean to me? Um, And and when as we listen to your story, you figure out different ways to allow you to keep doing what you love, but evolving it and changing it to how you grow and how you see the world. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I just, it's funny. Yesterday, I saw one of my friends posted something on Instagram. Like, it said, if you paid the bills with your your creativity, you won. Don't let anybody tell you any different. And I was like, damn. Like, yeah, like, everything you said about pivoting and figuring out, like, if you, if you're surviving, if you're doing what you love and you're happy and you could pay your bills, like, you're good. Like, and like you say, yes, is going to happen, but that's life. When does it not? Like nothing is easy. And I think it too, maybe this generation, maybe this, the time, like everybody thinks it's like, and me too, sometimes like, oh, I need a sign or there's a sign that we take bad things as signs we shouldn't go. But it's like, nah, that just happened. It just happened. (laughs) It just happened. That's it. Yeah. It just happened. Yeah. Like. You know, if I get in a car accident, it's not a sign I shouldn't drive anymore. It's like, it happened. happened. Yeah. And it's just, yeah, getting through, pushing and and continuing on. Because like, even that, even being able to push through and continue, that's a win. And I think we all got to just focus on the little wins that we have every day and not think of it so much as like this end goal. Because like I said earlier, you're never going to feel like you made it to your end goal ever. Your goal just... It grows bigger. The closer you get to it, the further it gets away from you. You just change it. As we, you know, we've been talking for a bit here and thinking about um, your career. And as I'm thinking about some of these other young um, designers and entrepreneurs that that are listening, um, as you reflect on your journey, um, what advice would you have for them as they might be, you know, at the beginning of starting um, a fashion and apparel label and and wanting to make clothing and garments? 
what advice would you would you share with them? I mean, the first one is is easy, and it's what we've been talking about. Really, is like make sure it makes you happy, mm-hmm. right? Like it's easy to say you want to start a streetwear company because you see the next kid selling a hundred thousand dollars worth of t shirts in a drop, right? It's easy to to say that's that's your reason, that's your why, because you think you could do it, but you know that kid might love it, and there could be something, you know it. Just figure out the why and figure out that. Like, make sure you love what you're going to do. And I would say the second thing is um, have a plan. Make a plan, like, but be ready to, to pivot when you need to, right? Like, And don't be scared by that. Don't think that if you have to pivot, that means you're doing something wrong. Like, you know, and, and it's not going to happen overnight. So just... You know, make sure you love it, have a plan, and be ready to pivot. That was Alejandro Rodriguez, founder and creative director of BTFL. Find out more about Alejandro and get access to all of our episodes at Apple Podcasts. If you'd like to connect with us, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Claim Us Stories. Our show this week is produced by BJ Fergozo, original music, production, and scoring by Adrian Anaya, original music by Danny Castillo, Kinsley Barry Quattro, Orlando Kennedy, Melanie Jag, and vocals provided by Priscilla. And special thanks also to BDOT, Professor H, Jordan Dinwiddie, Nick Pop, Lily Lynn, Nicole Early, Becky Mathai, and Amin L. Falele. I'm Bima, and you've been listening to Claim Us Stories. <laughs> <laughs>